All right, it's good to be with you guys. Um, grab your Bibles and go with me to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. As you're turning there, I want to draw your attention to something. Tomorrow night, we will be in the chapel. Uh, if you've never been with us, I'd like to invite you. Uh, we do a training called Becoming a Prayer Warrior, and this is where we just kind of go through how to pray, how the Bible talks about it, different models of prayer, and then we take time at the end to make sure that we pray with each other. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's taught on prayer. Um, it's one of the schools that Plumline has developed, and we believe that the foundation of the church is prayer. Uh, not just talking about it and stuff like that, but really learning how prayer changes nations. And so if you're interested in something like that, please join us tomorrow night at 7 o'clock in the chapel, and we'll be glad to bring you into our group, bless you, teach you, let you pray, all those kind of fun things. So mark that down on your calendars for tomorrow night in the chapel at 7 o'clock. All right, we're going to be at John chapter 15, verse 7, is specifically where we're going to put our attention this evening. And... This is kind of interesting in the fact that this is a, we're in a time now where Jesus is beginning to have a conversation about walking with him and him being, he's given an analogy of him being a vine, us being the branches, and now he's going to talk about how life in the kingdom actually works. And one simple verse I think covers in a lot of stuff that we need to take some time to learn because if we're going to learn to follow the Lord and be obedient, and do the things that he's called us to do, we have to figure out the foundation of how this works. And this passage right here explains it. All right, it says this in John 15, verse 7, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Now, what we want to do is we want to just take some of these words that are being given to us and kind of explore them and dig into them a little bit, because they're giving us insight here in what it means to actually walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, by the way, when we say walk with the Lord, a lot of people believe that what they're called into is effort. God has not called you into effort. God has called you into rest. And this is a paradox in the kingdom, and it takes a while to learn this, that God has called you to meet him and then him to show himself to you so that you gain by meeting and a lot of people believe they gain by action. You actually gain by him sowing into you, and then you live out of what he deposits inside of you. And this is what he's beginning to say here. If you abide in me, so let's take the word abide, remain, stay, wait, wait for, or await. So when we get to this, I don't know if you guys have ever explored this. I'm going to just give a real quick overview on this, but one of the the values that have been lost in the modern church, and I see this everywhere I go in the United States, actually around the world. It's not only a problem with uh, the, the world, we've lost it in the last 40 or 50 years in the body of Christ. It was something that was written on all the time. It was called waiting on the Lord. And what has happened is, is because it's a word that's used, but it's very little explore, what we have is we have people believing that any thought of waiting on the Lord is either a waste of time or it has a negative connotation to it. And the Bible actually points to the fact that if you don't understand the foundation of waiting on the Lord, everything that you're trying to know about Jesus, gain in Jesus, and do the work of Jesus, you cannot do it 
unless you learn the foundation of waiting on the Lord. It's such a crucial concept that um, I'm always amazed that it's not explored as much as it should be because the Bible is trying to teach you you cannot do anything unless the Lord gives you the ability to do it. And I don't know what it is with our culture. We think if we understand the concept, somehow we're able to bear fruit. And Jesus says, you can't unless you abide in me. And so, you guys get it? The culture is trying to get you on this little spinning wheel, and it's telling you that if you run all the time, you'll accomplish. Well, in the kingdom, that's exact opposite. Uh, I don't know if you guys are like I am, but I'm looking for what I would call foundations so I don't waste my time and energy on wrong activities in the kingdom. And this is one of the foundations of the kingdom, this, this abiding and this waiting on the Lord. And so here are the concepts of waiting. You guys ready? It means to rest in one realm so you can prosper in another. So when you're striving and you're working for the Lord all the time, you're exerting energy. The Lord is actually telling you a paradox in the kingdom. If you will let go of striving and pursuing and rest, that activity is not a waste of time when you Give up your time to the Lord Jesus Christ and you sit before him. The Bible says, even though it looks like on the outward you're wasting time and what is this producing, the kingdom says you'll actually prosper from this. So understand that the first concept of abiding is your soul prospers. This is the way that God has determined for your soul to prosper. So, are you weak in any area of your Christian life? Are you struggling with something? The Lord is saying it's not the knowledge of it that sets you free. It's abiding in Him that He prospers your soul. And this word prosper means bring you past the conflict. So most victories in the kingdom are won by waiting on the Lord instead of fighting in the battle. The next concept that we have for abide, it actually means, you, you guys are going to like this, it's a Hebrew word, kavah, which I know everyone knows Hebrew here, but it means expectancy or to stretch you. So another idea, I wait before the Lord, the purpose of that is one, to create an expectancy. So the word expectancy is interesting in the New Testament because it's also used sometimes for the word faith. So if you do not have faith for something, God doesn't require you to somehow produce it in you. He says, look at him. He'll release it inside of you. He'll stretch you to become the thing he's calling you to be. Um, I actually love the scripture and the fact that it challenges you all the time to come into a desperate place to look for Jesus. If, you're not, if Jesus says, hey, you're supposed to raise people from the dead and you think you can do it by yourself, you've missed the whole concept here. He challenges you with these supernatural things because he expects you to say, I cannot do this so that you'll get before him so he'll create an expectancy and stretch you to the place so you can. But it comes from abiding. It comes from waiting. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys will like this. Anytime someone preaches the word and some phrase or word or passage challenges you, you've just been invited by the Lord to rest in front of him so he can bring you up to that standard. But it comes from waiting on the Lord. This, the third concept is, it comes out of Isaiah 60, 64 verse 4, and waiting on the Lord creates a longing 
Now, this is interesting. Think about this. The Bible actually says sometimes God doesn't just give you something. He wants to see where your desire are at desire is at in the kingdom. So there's this beatitude that's given to us in the New Testament. It says, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be satisfied. The concept is hungering and thirsting. Now, what happens is, think about this, is here we are in a paradox again. When I'm living in a culture where all my needs are met and I'm feeding myself all these foods all the time and I'm satisfying myself with television and Netflix, all of a sudden all my spiritual longings diminish. And I become satisfied with the things of the flesh. And we think that being satisfied in the flesh somehow meets a spiritual hunger and thirst. And what it does is it creates, it creates an apathy or what the Bible would actually call, it creates satisfaction in the spiritual realm. You're using physical things to satisfy a spiritual longing that you're not in touch with. And you keep thinking, if I do more of this, I won't have this longing. And the Bible's saying Jesus is trying to strip that off of you so you'll begin to long for things. Now, I don't know what it is, but people think longing is a bad thing. But from the Bible perspective, the Bible actually says, Sometimes these amazing things you want God to do in your lifetime, there's sometimes the reasons it's not there is you're not longing for it, you're not asking for it. So when you wait on the Lord, He creates a longing. Now, let's kind of run that down the line. If God creates a longing, does He do that to frustrate you, or does He do it because He actually wants to do that in your life? I believe these spiritual longings are intentional by the Lord, and people don't recognize, oh, I have this longing for a breakthrough, and they think it's something they've initiated, but the Scripture comes to you and tells you, you don't have the ability to long for things in the kingdom. So if you have a longing, assume where it comes from, the Lord. And He wants you to hunger and thirst for it. He wants you to begin to ask for it. And the last one uh, comes out of Isaiah also, this word abide. It means to intertwine. It's like a rope, actually. So those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount on, on uh, wings like eagles. They will run and not become weary. They will walk and not become faint. It's telling you that whatever you do not have the ability to do, if you wait on the Lord, he will intertwine his own ability and self with you. And what you lack, he releases inside of you. What you do not have the ability to do, he gives it to you. I... I'm always amazed at the, the phenomenon of the Spirit in the life of the believer. I've watched him release abilities, and you see this throughout Scripture. You see God releasing abilities that people do not naturally have. He'll release it on them. We find out that God releases musical ability on people, artistic ability, financial ability, leadership ability, supernatural ability. You guys get it? It all comes from a supernatural God. What you lack, he'll intertwine himself in you and create. That's why it never gets boring in Jesus. It gets boring when we stop expecting these things. So, Jesus is telling us here, if you abide in me, and then look at the second part here. This is actually the best part of this. And my word abides in you. It's actually the plural form, words. Now, earlier, he said that they were cleansed because he already spoke a word to him. Now, he used two different types of words in the Greek New Testament, logos and rhema. 
Logos, it actually has a divine impact behind it. It has a cleansing effect, but he's actually using a different form of word here, and it's the word rhema. Now, it's going to make this passage mean something different. He's not saying, if you abide in me and you read the scriptures, abide in you. That's not what the passage says. The passage is being more relational than you saying back the scripture to God. It's actually saying, if you abide in me and my rhemas abide in you. Well, what is a rhema? Living, dynamic words. They're words that God speaks to you. And he's using the plural form of that. So he's not saying one word. It's carrying the idea of a dialogue. So he's saying, now you abide in him, and the, the abiding in him really is, if I could say this the best way, it's like sitting down with a counselor, and he talks at you, you talk at him, he talks at you, you talk at him, and he starts telling you, I want to heal this, I want to restore this, here's a promise. And when he's releasing these rhemas to you, he's not only releasing a word to you, it's dynamic, which we're actually going to see here. So, um, okay, Lord, let's see if I can do this now. A couple weeks ago, I'm, uh, I'm driving back. I stay with this couple in Minneapolis. They've, uh, it's a woman evangelist. She's involved with the city council, and they've been missionaries for years, and I've stayed with them for over 20 years. So every month I'm staying with them, and I'm getting back from a meeting I did in another city, and they're like, hey, we need to talk to you. And I'm like, okay. So who knows what that means? It's like 10 o'clock at night. I'm standing out in their front yard with my um, Chick-fil-A in the dark. And they're going, man, something wonderful is happening at our house. And I'm trying to balance my food. And I'm like, okay, well, like what? And they're like, well, it looks like you're tired. Why don't you just eat your food? Just make sure you come up and see us tomorrow uh, after you get done. And I'm like, okay. I don't know what that is, so I just ignore it, go eat my food. The next day, hey, we, we really need to talk to you. Could you come? And I'm like, yeah, uh, do you mind if I go to Starbucks and get some food? And they're like, yeah, come, come over after you get it. So I go in their house, and they start this conversation with me. Now, these are, since I've had a long history with them, they're not people that play games with me. So when they tell me the Lord's done something, I don't usually go, yeah, right. That's not that kind of a relationship. So... The wife begins to have a conversation with me, and she goes, now, look, I'm not kidding with you. Uh, A week and a half ago, an angel appeared in our backyard. And I went, okay. (laughs) What does that mean? She said, my husband and I went out there. When we went out there, the Spirit of the Lord fell on us, and he spoke to us four times, I'm here. Then she said, our whole backyard got filled with angels, and I'm like, uh, do you guys, when people tell you this stuff, do you ever say, like, what's the point? Get to the point. Um, and she's like, um, so what's happening is, she goes, uh, um, I don't know if you noticed this, but people were showing up, like, you've already been here for a day. Did you notice that people were showing up and just going and sitting in the backyard? And I'm like, yeah, well, what is that? She goes, well, I, I'm not going to tell you what to experience. I just want you to go walk in the backyard. Okay, so are you guys like I am? God announces a word. I mean, he actually prepares you for it. They, they, uh, I'll tell you what happened, and then I'll tell you their experience with me. 
So I'm thinking, yeah, right. Everybody always says this, and then when I go do these things, I don't feel anything. So that's already, you ready? Full of unbelief, I head into their backyard. <laughs> I'm walking in their backyard, and I get to a certain point, and the Spirit of the Lord hits me. Literally hits me. I'm like, what in the world? And I was actually like, why was he not there? And here are the Spirit of the Lord. And I'm walking around different parts of the backyard, and as I'm walking there, I'm getting plowed by the presence of the Lord. And I'm like, is this really going on? You guys ready? Full of unbelief. The Spirit of the Lord is engaging me. I'm, I'm actually fighting it now, trying to figure out what's going on. So, a couple things. I've, there have been three different events I've gone to in my life where the Spirit of the Lord has come like that. Where it, was, it wasn't something we prayed into and it happened. It was just there. Um, and I kept thinking, well, I wonder what would happen, if, and I do stupid experiences, uh, experiments when the Spirit of the Lord come. So I, I'd like, I'm not going to pray, I'm going to see if I can still sense the presence of the Lord. And it didn't matter what I did, the Spirit of the Lord rested on me. In fact, I told my wife, this is really, I'm telling her on the phone, I'm actually standing in the presence of the Lord right now, and I'm not praying or doing anything like that, and he's still resting with me. And my wife uh, goes into travail on the other end of the phone, just having me tell her the story about this. So I'm like, well, that's weird. So I call a friend, and I'm telling him, yeah, I'm actually standing in the presence of the Lord right now. And he gets filled with the Spirit of the Lord. It was kind of a bizarre day. Um, and I'm still struggling with it. I spent eight hours in that backyard on a Saturday in the presence of the Lord. Eight hours. <laughs> so... Are you guys like me? Then the next thing I said is, I went into that apartment because it was dark. I'm like, I bet it won't be there tomorrow. <laughs> I go out there. There it is again. Go to a certain part of the yard. Wham! I get hit by the presence of the Lord. So I'm calling people. Hey, you need to come here and check this out. And so people are showing up. And as they're getting there, I'm not telling them, don't, I'm not telling them what to expect or not to expect. They just walk out to a certain part of this yard, Spirit of the Lord engages them. This has been going on for now two and a half weeks. And the lady and her husband, they, they I, this, I don't know if you need to know this part, but I thought it was funny. They can't even sleep in the same bedroom with each other anymore because she shakes all the time. Okay, now why am I telling you that in regard to this? They're, after I was in the backyard with them, they wanted to sit in the backyard with me and say, we've been having dreams about this visitation in our backyard for over four years, and we, didn't, we just thought it was all symbolic, and now it's actually happening, and we don't know what to do with this. And I'm like, well, I don't either. Okay, now why am I telling you that? Because when God releases a word, it's dynamic. And it goes to the second part of this scripture that we want to look at. Ready? If you wait on me or abide in me, and my ramas, my dialogue, abides back and forth with you. Look what it says. Ask whatever you wish. Now, that's actually interesting. That sounds like God saying, now make up junk and just ask me for it. But that's, not, that's a weak translation of what the Greek actually is. Ask for whatever you wish. That word wish doesn't mean me making something up. It actually means... God putting a desire for the best that he has for you in a situation. So when God gives ramas, are you guys ready? He gives you the best option for whatever situation he's speaking to you about. 
And he says, and if you'll dialogue with me about the best that I want to give you, I'll answer that. Okay, now why is that so important? Because a lot of times you and I come to the Lord and we wait on the Lord to tell him, here's what I think is the best in this situation. And the Lord is saying, if you'll lay that down and dialogue with me, I'll tell you what's the best for that situation. And then all you have to do is say, yeah, I want the best. And then he'll release it to you. He's teaching you the law of the kingdom of God, that God knows what's best in a situation. He's willing to tell it to you and release it. And this atmosphere of abiding is actually the place that Marcus was just describing to you. It's called agreement. Now, you guys ready? Agreement comes from revelation. I'm dialoguing with the Lord. He's talking, and when I say yes to that, he says, ah, that's what I was longing for. Now let it come. In fact, the passage goes on. It says, and it will be done for you. This is really important. When it says, it will be done for you, this is the word, let's see if I can describe it as best I can. There's something about abiding in the presence of the Lord. It's like being in the, the sanctuary with the manifest presence of God's glory. And when you're in the sanctuary of God's manifest glory, it's just like when Moses stood in the tent of meetings. When you're in the manifest glory, God is going to take what is from eternity. He is going to speak it to you. The minute you come into agreement with it, that word of agreement is called a release to manifest. So when you say, the Lord says, here's my best for you in this situation, and you say, I want that, what that is, is that someone on earth agreeing with an eternal release. It's actually kind of like releasing a lever for it to come from the supernatural into the natural. And the Bible says, now this is how things work in the kingdom. You abide in me, I speak my words to you, you come into agreement, and the minute you come into agreement, you've released a vow for it to go from the supernatural into the natural. Does that mean it's just a simple scripture, and Jesus is teaching us the principle of the kingdom. Now, you guys, you ready? I can pull out each one of these things and develop them by themselves, and then you're going to miss the package. You have some people teaching you how agreement works, but they don't teach you the waiting on the Lord. Or they'll tell you about you need to get ramas, but they don't tell you what to do with ramas. Here in this one passage, Jesus has given us all. Step one, wait on the presence of the Lord. Step two, have a dialogue with him. Let, get his best over a situation. Step three, agree with it so it can be released. Let's keep moving on. Isn't that great? Let's keep going on it. All right. So... The, the statement here, it, ask whatever you wish, it will be done for you, is not only the concept of it being manifest, it actually means, are you guys ready? It means that in eternity, God has already determined he wants to do it. So when you say yes to it, it's not when is he going to do it. Uh, let, uh, actually, I said that wrong. Let me say, it isn't is he going to do it, it's when is he going to do it. It's also supposed to cause an effect in your heart where assurance is deposited that God is going to do that because of the exchange of the glory of God that has touched you by meeting the Lord. Uh, 
do any of you guys ever take time just to read people's histories in God where, like, you meet these prayer warriors and pass them? Have you ever do any of that kind of stuff? They're always describing this thing where they know, and it's usually described this way. I, I prayed, and they called, I got, I got a breakthrough, or I felt like I had an assurance, or I realized that prayer was going to be answered. And I, I've spent years studying how do you know that place? How do you know that that place, and how do you go there more consistently? Because if you're like me, how many of you hate this hit-and-miss prayer life? Where I see God's will here, but I pray, and it doesn't happen. And I'm like, well, why did that time I prayed I had an assurance, and this time I didn't? And this passage is trying to deal with this with you. The Bible is now telling you, guys, ready? I abide in the glory of God. Jesus reveals his word to me. We dialogue it. When I agree to it, he's saying, you're not just saying, yeah, that'd be great you to do it. It actually takes you at a different level of assurance, and the assurance is supposed to create something inside of you to where you actually now can move into a place of worship after the experience instead of doubt. Now, how do you know your prayer is going to be answered? God creates an assurance. And the, the fruit of it is thankfulness and worship. Now, how many of you uh, think about your prayer life and think, well, when I come out on the other end of this, am I enjoying the Lord and thanking Him for His goodness? Or am I going, I wonder if He's actually going to do that? If I'm still in the place of going, I wonder if He's going to do that, I haven't been sautéed long enough in the glory of God to where He's convinced me that He's going to do that. Uh, that's the best way I know how to describe it. I hope you're okay with that kind of language. Most people don't know how to get sunburned long enough in the glory of God to get worship to come out of them. And so they're struggling with these things that Jesus says, hey, wait on me. Spend time with me. Let my word do its dynamic release inside of you. Come into agreement with it. Let me produce something inside of you. I think, I don't know if you guys are like this, but I think the Christian walk and the life with Jesus, especially what he says in this passage, if he is determined to give you his best, our life with him should come out on the other end where we're rejoicing, not going, I wonder if he's going to do it. So do you guys see where Jesus is saying here? He says, you cannot produce life outside of yourself, but inside of me you will bear what? Much fruit. So you guys ready? I'm, I, grow, I try to grow crops every year. If you want to talk about production of fruit, I can tell you exactly how that works because I produce terrible fruit every year. Terrible fruit. It's kind of embarrassing. I did it to learn this passage, and I haven't learned anything from it because I produce terrible fruit every year. But I get the idea where they're going here. If you want to see consistent fruit bearing in your life, the Bible is saying, wait on him, hear from him, agree with him, let him saturate you with his glory and come out the other end of it, seeing fruit. Maybe two years ago, I was here in Colorado and I, got a, I was doing meetings uh, down in um, Woodland Park and I come into a meeting and I see a brace on this person's foot. So they have a boot on their foot, and I'm looking at it, and I don't know if you guys are like this. The thought went through my head, someone ought to pray for that person. Then I went to the meeting. <laughs> do you do that? You see crippled people, and you think, wow, someone, <laughs> not me, someone should pray for them. And so I'm doing my meeting, 
and teaching whatever, and you could tell it was really impactful because I have no idea what I was even talking about, but I was teaching on something. And I looked over at the lady with the boot on her foot, and immediately I could tell I was brought into that waiting on the Lord experience, almost immediately. And I could sense, oh, man, that's the Lord. And so while I'm actually trying to do a message, I'm actually in this experience where I'm now sensing the Spirit of the Lord beginning to have a conversation with me about this lady's boot on her foot. And he just said, if you'll walk up and command the pain to leave, I'll heal her. He's telling me that while I'm trying to do a sermon, which makes it really hard to do sermons. Now, how do I know it was the Lord? Because I could tell the effect of the rhema in my heart. It created an assurance. All of a sudden, what I did not have, he produced. He stretched me. Released expectation in me. Faith. So I got done with the message, and I walked up to her, and I said, hey, let's pray for your foot. And she says, yeah, it's broken, uh, and um, they tell me I have a hairline crack, and it's been in pain all the whole entire meeting. And I said, I understand, but could I pray for it? And she's like, yes. So I put my hand on her foot, on her boot. I said, is this going to hurt? And she's, no. So I'm praying for her, and I said, well, what do you sense? And she goes, well, I don't know. Now, I, I, I think I've shared this with you guys before, but I love watching people get healed because they do the funnest things. So she has a boot, her foot's killing her, and she's slamming her foot on the ground like this with her boot. And I'm like, what are you doing? And she's going, well, I'm checking to see if it hurts. <laughs> then she's, she's, get this, she can't even walk on it. Now she's putting one foot on the other, and she's going like this. And I'm going, well, do you think you're healed? And she goes, I don't know. I said, well, could you have done that before? And she goes, no, I was in so much pain. And I said, well, why don't you take the boot off? And she goes, well, I'm scared. And I'm like, well, okay, then do whatever. She, but she made her way over to the chair, and she pulled her boot off, and she just walked around the room. And I said, do you think you're healed? And she goes, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I said, well, just stay like that until you figure it out. Are you guys ready? God healed her. Now, why did that work? I have the theology of healing in my head, but the healer has to show up. Just because I know what his nature is like doesn't mean it's happening until the healer shows up. Are you guys ready? God has made your soul the sanctuary for Jesus to show up again and to do all his miracles. He's coming to you, and he's trying to get you to stop looking at yourself. I can't do this. And he's trying to get you to say, see that he can. And he's trying to convince you with his word, and all he's trying to get you to do is say, yes. I think that works. What do you guys think? (laughs) That was a good response. That is a good yes. All right. If you have shoulder pain, stand up. The Lord wants to minister to you. Shoulder pain. If you've been dealing with heartburn, it's actually causing you to have problems, either heartburn or problems with sleep also. Sleep problems, heartburn that causes you to have sleep problems, and heartburn. That's you stand. And someone has pain in their right foot. Um, Felt like they twisted their ankle, but I couldn't tell. But boy, that was a lot of pain. So if you have pain in your right foot, also stand. 
All right, so we're going to practice what we just learned. Don't focus on me. Your job isn't to focus on me praying for you. Your job is to put your hands out, close your eyes, focus your attention on Jesus. Holy Spirit, come right now. Bring your power and your presence. Now, don't focus on being healed. Focus on enjoying the Lord. He'll do it, okay? Just enjoy the Lord for a moment. More of your power, Lord. More of your presence. Thank you, mighty one. So what I'm doing is I'm going into my own heart, and I'm just waiting on the Lord. I'm abiding with him, and I'm asking him how he wants me to pray. That's what we're waiting on now. I command pain to lift off their bodies right now in the name of Jesus. Restore them, Lord. Holy Spirit, it's like, a, it's like a washing. Come into their stomach where they have all this stuff going on with heartburn and stomach issues. Release your healing presence over them right now. In the name of Jesus, restore them. Yeah, well, that's cute, Lord. All right, so Holy Spirit, would you come into when they go to sleep? And would you begin to bring the abiding sense of your presence over them? And Lord, release your power and your presence over their pituitary gland right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Restore it. Thank you, mighty one. And I ask that you come into the, the foot where the pain is at, the, the twisting, inflammation. I break the power of that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I ask, Lord, that you would restore them. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Um, one other thing. It's not... I shouldn't, I shouldn't qualify it here. If you want to be filled by the presence of the Lord, stand. If you want to be filled by the presence of the Lord, stand. Okay. Please just extend your hands out. You know, yeah, seriously, you don't have to stand up, Jared, if you don't want to be filled. <laughs> just put your hands out. We're going to wait on the Lord. Okay, so Lord, that was what you wanted to do this evening, so just bring your power now. Now, I don't want you to try to be filled. I want you to give yourself to the Lord. So, Lord, I turn myself over to you. Holy Spirit, come. Bring your power. Bring your presence, Lord. Fill us with your glory. Fill us more. I bless your name. Thank you, mighty one. Let it come more. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, mighty one. Seriously, like a wave, Lord, let it come. Let it come. Okay, I'm going to just release this, and then I'm going to be done. So, God has determined that he's going to surprise some of you. So, what you're going to sense is the abiding presence of the Lord the rest of the night. The Lord is going to follow you home. Some of you are going to be released into dreams by the presence of the Lord this evening. God is wanting to encourage you and strengthen you. And so, expect from him. Now, Lord... Bless them, strengthen them, fill them with your hope. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. All right, please be seated. I'm going to pray the blessing over you, and we will be done. And now... May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face to you and give you rest. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.